Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. When I stand in this presence, I'm going to have to give an account. And so the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back to this world, the fact that he's going to return, causes me to want to be ready for his return. See, we're doing what we do, not because we want the reward from men, but we want the approval of God. And we recognize that one day he's going to come back and he's going to come back with his reward with him. Jesus is coming back and it could happen at any time. Would you be ready to meet him in the next few minutes or moments? Pastor Ed reminds us today that we should be anticipating that day that we should make sure we're ready to stand before our Savior and discuss our lives with Him. We tend to look for our approval from others, but what greater approval is there than Jesus Himself saying, Well done to us. That is something we should strive for and look forward to someday, hopefully soon. Now here's Pastor Ed in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, with his continuing study entitled, The Pure in Heart. It was a mother who was lost her child, her only daughter. And she grieved this child. And she had a, a picture of this child that she particularly liked. But somehow the picture began to fade. So she touched it up and she put it in the drawer. And she noticed when she took it out the next day, it had all sorts of blotches and stains in it. So she touched it up again. And then... She took it out a couple of days later and the same thing happened. See, the problem was in the material that the picture was printed on. And the problem with you and me is our hearts. And it's only when God gives us a new heart that we can have a pure heart. It's only when he transforms us. See, Jesus wasn't just concerned about the outward he described to the disciples what Moses meant when he gave us the Ten Commandments. He said, you say thou shalt not murder. I tell you what it means. If you're angry with your brother for an unjust cause, well, we're satisfied that we have not committed adultery. Jesus said adultery begins in the heart if you lust after a woman. You've committed adultery already. See, it's not the outward, it's the inward. Jesus took it out of the realm of just the outside and he said, you have to change on the inside. And see, God can make a heart pure. God can transform a life. We have testimonies of men and women who were in deep sin, but because Jesus came in their life and transformed their life, they're new people on the inside. They look at life differently. They see things differently because of God's grace. Now, God gives us a brand new heart. That's his promise. I want to tell you about a person who's caused me difficulty. I don't gossip about them, but let me tell you. They attended the Wilmington Assembly of God Church. They opposed me, gave me all sorts of problems. You know, I wanted to do this, and they wanted to do that. I suggested this, and they suggested that. When I moved here to Poughkeepsie, I was so glad. <laughs> But to my dismay, they attend faith assembly here. 
We've met the enemy and it's ourselves. Isn't that true? Aren't we our own worst enemy? Well, that's why we need the grace of God. That's why we need God doing the work on the inside in our lives. See, God is interested in changing us at the core of our being. That's what it means to be pure in heart. That's the control center of your life. God wants to be at the control center of your life. Take your hands off of everything and let him put his hands on it and he'll make it right. I think of the words of God to Samuel as he whispered in his ears. Do not consider his appearance or his height. For I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things as man look at. Man looks at the outward appearance. But God looks at the heart. God is not satisfied that you come and you give and you serve and you work. Those things are good. But he looks at the heart. Why do we do what we do? Not only is there the formation of a pure heart, but there is also the preservation of a pure heart. It's something that you have to keep on working at. You know, I go into my backyard and weeds automatically grow. If I did nothing with my lawn, it'd be an absolute mess. If you do nothing with your life, be guaranteed that all sorts of things that you don't want will grow up. Because that's the nature of this soil. That's the nature of this human heart. And we need constantly to be under God's control and God's grace and power. The preservation. In James 4, 8, it reads, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. God is telling us, work on your heart. Work on your relationship. Don't be satisfied with merely outward observance of things. How do we do that? Well, a number of ways. The Word of God is so important. In Hebrews it says the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and the spirits, the joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts. See, we may be set in our ways. We may think, I'm going to do this, I'm going to go. But then all of a sudden you read the word and God confronts you with the word and says, your heart is wrong. Your attitudes are wrong. Sometimes we want to live our Christian life by what others are doing. But to a spiritual Christian, he lives his life according to the rule of God's word. He is governed by God's revelation. And so we're not looking at society. We're not looking at what others are doing. We're looking at God, what he said in his word. And so the word has a way of refining us, the blood of Jesus Christ. See, the word drives us to our knees so that we confess our sins and thank God for the precious blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sins. How would you like to be sitting next to someone this morning that hadn't taken a bath or shower in a couple of months? You wouldn't be sitting there. Greater than the human stench of neglecting our physical bodies is to neglect our soul. 
We need to be washed daily in the blood of Jesus. When we come on a daily basis and we keep a short account with God and we confess our sins and we confess our wrongs to him, the Spirit of the Lord, the Bible tells us, if we live by the Spirit, will not gratify the desires of our sinful nature. See, be filled with the Spirit. You who have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, pray in tongues. Live a life in the Spirit. If you live with the mind of the Spirit, Romans tells us that we're not going to be doing the works of the flesh. I like this one, the day of the Lord. In 1 John 3, 3, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. I'm living, I'm working, I'm doing what I do because one day I'm going to stand before Almighty God. And one day, when I stand in His presence, I'm going to have to give an account. And so the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back to this world, the fact that He's going to return, causes me to want to be ready for His return. See, We're doing what we do, not because we want the reward from men, but we want the approval of God, and we recognize that one day he's going to come back, and he's going to come back with his reward with him. In Proverbs, the word says, my son, give me thine hearts. When we give our hearts to God, what are the characteristics of a pure heart? My second point, the characteristics of a pure heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. That word pure, it basically means, has two meanings basically. It means unmixed and it also means clean. When it says unmixed, it's referring to uh, water that's pure water or gold that's pure gold or wheat that had been winnowed. It's referring to unmixed feelings. 100% proof if I could use that expression see God tells us in his word to have a pure heart is to have a heart that's not mixed it's not here and there somewhere else the psalmist prayed this passage when he prayed teach me your way O Lord I will walk in your truth unite my heart to fear your name Unite my heart to fear your name. The basic idea is that there's integrity on the inside. That we don't have, as it were, mixed motives. So many times in what we do, there's mixed motives. We do something, maybe we do a kind act for somebody, or we help someone, or we do something, and maybe we've had more than one motive in doing it. We always hold out the better motive, and we hide the lower motive. When we say, unite my heart to fear your name, Lord, what we are praying is that our motives would be pure for God and God alone. That we would live a life for his honor and for his glory. Uh, Sometimes, and it could be expressed this way as well, we come to God and say, God, put all the pieces of my life back together again. You know, we've somehow messed up in some area. And so we say, God, put all the pieces back. And I think God responds to us, well, if you'll give me all the pieces. 
Don't hold back some particular area from God and expect him to put you back together again. But give him every aspect of your life. Give him your whole life and he can put you back together again. Well, they, remember the nursery rhyme about Humpty Dumpty? He fell off the wall and all the king's horses. How's it go? There they all the keys and they couldn't put it back together. It's been a long time since I've been in nursery school. <laughs> Thank God. God can put you back together again. But you have to give him the pieces. It's speaking about something else. When he says pure in heart, it also means to be single-minded. It means to be single-minded. Paul said, this one thing I do. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. There has to be this single-mindedness about us. There was an article in the San Diego Union. And the columnist wrote about an incident that happened in the United States Senate about 140 years ago. It was a discussion on the Senate floor about prohibition. And there was one senator who challenged his colleague on where he stood. And I want to read to you what was said in this column and what was reported in this Senate discussion. This colleague who stood up said this, you asked me how I feel about whiskey. Well, here's how I stand on the question. If when you say whiskey, you mean the devil's brew, the poison spirit, the bloody monster that defiles innocence, destroys the home, creates misery and poverty, yes, literally takes bread from the mouths of little children, if you mean the evil drink that topples the Christian man from the pinnacle of righteousness and gracious living and causing him to descend to the pit of degradation, despair, shame, and helplessness, then I am certainly against it with all my heart. But if... When you say whiskey, you mean the oil of conversation, the philosophic wine, the ale consumed when good fellows get together, that puts a song in their hearts and laughter on their lips, the warm glow of contentment in their eyes. If you mean Christmas cheer, if you mean the stimulating drink that puts the spring in an old man's footsteps on a frosty morning, if you mean the drink whose sale puts, I am told, millions of dollars into our treasury, which are used to provide tender care for our little crippled children, blind, deaf, and dumb, are pitifully aged, are infirm, to build highways and hospitals and schools, then I'm certainly in favor. This is my stand, and I will not compromise. (laughs) Well, to be single-minded means you're single-minded. You're not straddling the fence. You're not playing both sides. To be pure in heart not only means unmixed in our motives, single-mindedness in our mindset, but it means clean, clean. Actually, theologians feel that this passage of Scripture, this beatitude, Matthew 5, 8, the pure in heart, the background for it is found in Psalm 24. Let me read that to you. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, 
who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. I think about all that our society is just permeated with. There are on the billboards tempters and temptresses. It seems every time you flip through the channels, there's some seductive character. There's some sensuous scene that tries to pull you in. We must be like Daniel, who purposed in his heart not to defile himself. To be pure in heart speaks about moral purity. David failed terribly. And maybe some of you have. David confessed his sin. In Psalm 51, 10, it says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. He asked God for a pure heart. He made public confession to Israel. Psalm 51, Psalm 32, where songs sang among the people of God of his confession to God. I'm so thankful that a person could come and confess their sins and find forgiveness. But a pure heart is a clean heart. I like the way Warren Worsby said it. The pure in heart have nothing to hide, nothing to defend, nothing to explain. The man who has been cleansed by Jesus, the man who has a pure heart, is going to see what other men don't see. You know, the condition of your heart depends on what you see. A man went in to visit a psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist took out the ink blotter, and he said, uh, tell me what you see. The man said, sex. Put another ink blotter there. Tell me what you see. Sex. Another one, sex. After the end of 10 minutes or so, the psychiatrist said, I know what your problem is. You have a sexual addiction. And the man said, no, I don't. How could you say that? You've just been putting dirty pictures in front of me. (laughs) What's in your heart determines what you see. The condition of your heart conditions what you see. Jesus said the consequence of a pure heart is that they will see God. Now that's a promise for the present. And that's a promise for the future. It's a promise for the here and now. They will see God. I think of the present vision of God. I'm reminded of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1. I saw the Lord seated on the throne. High and exalted. And his train. The train of his robe filled the temple. You know. We walk through this world. Those who know Jesus and love Jesus and Jesus is the center of their life. You can't help but seeing God. The other day I was walking and I was looking at the beautiful foliage. And as I was looking at it, my heart just began to burst in song to God. And I began to pray and praise the Lord. I said, Lord, thank you for your beautiful creation. Thank you. You're the greatest artist around. And I just began to have an encounter with God as I was just walking in my neighborhood. We see God. Where others only see the Big Bang Theory, 
we see the signature of the creator. Where others only see the facts, the bare facts of history, we see the sovereign God who rules over history. Where others only see suffering, we see trials of faith. Where others only see a fallible institution, we see the church of the living God. See, we see God. We see God in our relationship to him. You sense his presence. The other day we were just praying. And I felt the presence of God just come into the office as we were waiting upon the Lord. Two people could come in this church, sit side by side. One person is caught up in the very presence of God. The other person is looking at the dress, the hairdo, and looking at all sorts of other things. The condition of our heart determines what we see. The pure in heart see God. The Bible says that we see in part... We see as through a glass darkly, but then we shall see clearly. There's going to be a future vision of God. In Revelation 22, it says this, we shall see him face to face. It says they will see his face. Think of that. One day, you will stand before God. One day, you will see the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In Wheaton College, a former president of the college, Raymond Edmond, was to be the speaker. He was old and infirm, but the students looked forward to his messages because he was a great Christian. He came, this older saint of God, the chapel was filled with the students. And he began to talk about the presence of God. He wanted to get everybody excited about the presence of God and to prepare for their encounter with God. And he used an illustration of how he had the privilege of being in the presence of the emperor of Ethiopia. He had given that, been given that privilege to come and stand before the emperor of Ethiopia. He talked about how he prepared for it. He talked about how he felt. And when he came in the presence of the emperor of Ethiopia, how he bowed down. And as he was trying to prepare the young people for entering into the presence of the king of kings, and as he began to share that illustration, as he came to the conclusion, suddenly he dropped. He was dead. He actually entered into the presence of the king of kings, right in the presence of that student body. They were witnessing him entering into the presence of God. The veil was rent. And there Raymond Edmund stood right before the king. Someday, it may be 10 years from now or 20 years, it may be tomorrow, it may be 50 years from now, but someday, you're going to stand in the presence of the King. What are we doing to prepare for that? Paul the Apostle prayed that the eyes of our understanding would be open that we might see him. 
The Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 is one of the most well-known portions of Scripture in the whole of the Bible. In this text, Jesus talks about loving our enemies, fasting, and properly judging. Each day here on Voice of Faith, Pastor Ed will be teaching through the Beatitudes. Thanks for joining us today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you can find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Voice of Faith and to access the archive of messages, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Voice of Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Voice of Faith.